this week's parsha begins a uh, series of events that are uh, very uh, tragic for the Jewish people. Moshe said to the Jewish people, we're on the way. Three days out of Eretz Israel. The grand march is, so to speak, to begin. And uh, it's supposed to happen. And then, you know, I always say, you know, life intervenes. All of our plans, the best laid plans. And something happens. So here the Torah records for us, not only in this week's parsha, not Balotcha and then Shlach and then Korach and then Chukat and Bolok and all a whole series of untoward events. that weaken the Jewish people, that challenge us. And uh, those challenges become the eternal challenges. So let's look at a few of them the way the Mephorshim in the Chumash over the ages looked at them. The first thing that happens is that somehow Yisro decides that he's not going there to show. Moshe tries to convince him. Shalom's bounty will give him, and it'll be given to you as well. And he says, I'm going home. Rashi points out that he has pious reasons for going home. And we're all uh, well acquainted with the bitter statement that the road to uh, destruction is paved with good intentions. He has good intentions. He's going home, he's going to be Megayar, everybody in Bidjan. He's going to bring the message of Torah and of godliness to the world. And therefore, uh, and they said, well, what's the difference if I go, if I don't go, you know? Unfortunately, point out that part of his reason, there are all sorts of reasons that people have. There's a reason that we say, and sometimes that coincides with the reason that we believe, but there are many times subconscious reasons even that we're not aware of. The Navi says, the heart of a person is so perverse. Who knows it? Not the person himself. And, uh, there was a whole uh, 
you know, popular in psychiatry for uh, almost a century, no longer is, that uh, people should uh, be, so to speak, put into uh, some sort of almost a trance that they should tell you what's doing in their subconscious, and then we would know what the problem is. But me, who knows? Who knows what the reason is? So what's the real reason that Yisrael doesn't go? And for that, the Mephorshim search. Just as later we will have that when the Meraglim didn't want to go there to Israel, so the reason that they gave, you know, it's a difficult country, full of funerals, uh, there are giants in the land, fortified cities on reaching to heaven, skyscrapers, can't do it. That was the reason that they said, and it may be the reason that they believe. But deep down, uh, the Mephorshim tell us, the Medrash, that they didn't want to go because uh, they would lose their position. Here in the desert, they were the leaders of the people. They, they got all sorts of honors. They're listed in Parshas Nosso individually in the Torah. Well, compared to soil, yeah, they'll be uh, at best uh, relics. They will have lost their status, their position. So therefore, they didn't want to go, and they didn't want anybody else to go either. So that's, so to speak, the underlying reason. Underlying reason that Chazal figured it out for us. So what's the real reason that you sort of don't want to go? So the Mephorshim say somewhat in the same vein, here he's Yisrael, he's Moshe's father-in-law, he has covered, he has honor, they give him Go there to Israel. Moshe is not going to go. He's a stranger. He's not part of B'nai Israel. When they divide up the land, he is not entitled to any share. He's dependent on the magnanimity of others. You go back to Midian, and Midian is calling Midian. He's the man. Very hard. Uh, the Gemara says in Rabbi when my colleagues told me, you become the Rosh Yeshiva, he said, wild horses couldn't drag me up to take the position. But now that I have the job, wild horses can't drag me down. 
not easy to relinquish status and power. We perceive we really don't have anything, but we think we do. And uh, because of that, so uh, going there to Israel, the Israel is an enormous step down. In Midian is the coin. In the desert, he's hosting Moshe, and he gets a parsha in the Torah, and they ask him his advice. You come there to Israel, you know, uh, they'll put him in a beta vote, and that's it. He's not going. And when he's not going, so that uh, immediately raises in the eyes and minds of the Jewish people, well, if Yisrael, the father-in-law of Moshe, is not going, so maybe, you know, there's a problem here. And because there's a problem, uh, we should rethink the matter also. Uh, my uh, long years in the Rabbanas, both from personal experience and from observation of the Jewish world generally, whenever anything positive is proposed, there always are naysayers. There always are people that say, no, you know, it may be a good idea, but we, it can't happen. We can't do it. Rabbi, don't waste your time. Can't happen. That's the nature of people. Now, sometimes the naysayer is only one person in the whole congregation. But the naysayer always has influence. Always uh, somehow uh, affects how people think of it. And if the naysayer is someone of prominence, well, then it becomes uh, difficult to combat it. And if the naysayer elevates it to a religious or moral value. So then it becomes doubly difficult. So Yisrael's not going. He's not going, that has an effect. It has an effect. And the Jewish people therefore think, well, he's trying to be Megayer Mission, maybe we'll stay here in the desert. People will attend you. And part of the problem is that already in the desert they have an Arab rod. They have uh, many, many thousands, we don't know the number, tens of thousands for sure, of people who came out of Egypt with them. And, uh, so maybe we should uh, devote ourselves to the area of Rams. The Mephorshim point down. Why should we go there to Israel, you know? We've got enough problems here. Let's solve the problems here. I remember uh, 
that when my wife and I were expecting our third child, we had them pretty much uh, quickly one after the other. So when we told the oldest child that mama is going to have a baby, she said, what do we need another baby? We didn't use this one up yet. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that. So you didn't digest the Avon robbery, and now you're going to take on the seven nations. They're going to be, uh, who knows what's going to be. And that was the whole problem with the Givonim. By Yoshua. And then later, the, the Shomronim. And the, it's always like that. So uh, what's the reason to go? So that weakened me. It didn't negate it. Then the Torah tells us in the parsha, you have to see it in the progression. People are dissatisfied. Misonanim are complainers. The uh, glass is always half empty. So there are people who by nature are optimistic and cheerful. They're the rabbis. And then there are people that are not. So misonanim is that they were always misonanim. It isn't that now there's something touched them off. They're complainers. They're dissatisfied. And when their complainers are dissatisfied, anything is sufficient to touch them off. Uh, experiencing this uh, currently here in the United States, it's terrible. The mob in the street, the, the, it was always there. It's just below the surface. Something happens and it touches it off. And it always begins with a moral cause justice but it ends up uh, murder and robbery and mobs and chaos so they complain now about the food oh. now in the complaint are a lot of complaints First, you take it apart. When you think you look from this, you have to look every post, every word. They're telling the the Torah, the Shivim Ponim, the Torah, the Shivim Ponim exists on every level, on every verse. So they say, uh, oh, we remember Egypt. So the first thing is that you build a fantasy world. And since our world doesn't match the fantasy world, so it wouldn't, there's something wrong in our world. How come it isn't? 
part of the problem of ideology. Uh, we are so devoted to ideas, ideas and ideology. And since this world is imperfect, and it never achieves the level of the ideology, so then we're always disappointed. We're always in bad shape. We don't see it as a goal or as a process. We see it as a failing. So uh, the the idea of uh, Marxism in our time was that they were creating the perfect world and our world is not that. So we have to destroy our world in order to make that work. I, that world is not going to be perfect either, but that, that's neither here nor there. That's the attitude uh, that uh, many Jews have towards their Israel or the state of Israel. It's not perfect. You know, for this, we waited 2,000 years for the prime minister to go on trial. So forget it. So you create a fantasy world. And once you create a fantasy world, the real world can never equal it. I used to uh, tell my young men in the yeshiva who uh, were then starting to uh, uh, look for a spouse uh, that, that uh, they should not build up a, a fantasy picture of what a wife is, just as she can't build a fantasy picture of what a husband is. They should tell them a wife is not a chavrusa. You have to be able to deal with the reality of it. And they, they built up a fantasy. You know, in Egypt, it was great. Uh, in Egypt, we had Trishti and Herring, and you know, for Kiddush on Shabbos, we had six types of Herring. And there it was Chinam. It was free. So Chazal say immediately, what do they mean free? Was chinam in mitzvahs. You can eat whatever you want and that doesn't know laws and kashers, what are you talking about? You have to look for a hechsher on the bottom. You don't have to say birchat amazon afterwards. You know, it's chinam. It's what we call today fast food. So that was great. And here now, we have a lot of problems. So first of all, in Mitzrayim, we had food that we could store. The one even with the greatest refrigeration is not going to stay more than a day. We live in a time when uh, 
we don't have a full freezer, we are already uh, in the pangs of hunger. So the insecurity of not having food for tomorrow, being dependent on the Rabboni Shalom, that, that gnawed at them. And it was not chinam, not free anymore, you know, you don't pay for it, but it's a new definition of freedom, something that's free, something that's free is something that you have no obligation. Still free for you. Something that you don't pay for, but comes with an obligation that's not free anymore. So uh, they, they couldn't complain. You only need someone to throw the match and the pool of gasoline will catch fire. So uh, again, so it's not only that they have a fantasy world of what Mitzrayim was, but they're building for themselves a fantasy world of what Eretz Israel will be. And since the fantasy world of Mitzrayim was not true, because there you were all slaves, and they took your male children and threw them to the crocodiles. So you conveniently forgot that. Same thing uh, when you come there to Israel. Well, we have a fantasy world of that too. And in that world, there will also not be uh, the reality of what it is. And the moment you lose sight of reality, the moment you are dealing in the world, the world. But an imaginary world to build for yourself. So, to a great extent, you're doomed to disappoint. We read in the Megillah of Ruth, it says, It was in the generations when the judges judged. So the Gemara Darshan's not that's not how to interpret it. Oy Lidor Shoshofi Meshofto. Woe to the generation where we're always judging our judges. And since we find them always wanting, they're no perfect judge. So we're in a constant state of dissatisfaction. And a bitterness, almost a, the violence is below the surface always. 
because our frustration is so enormous. How can it be that? That's the question. And therefore, because uh, I'll say here an interesting point that the Mephoshim point out that when the Slav descended, you know, they had meat to eat now, and all the hamburgers they wanted, and it, so to speak, it dripped from their nose, it killed them. So the great misfortune say, it's not only it killed them physically, first it killed them psychologically. The meat didn't taste the way they thought it was going to taste. It didn't give them the satisfaction that they thought it was going to give them. Frustrated. You know, person, uh, uh, this year, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if we can do it in the summer, but uh, people always plan the summer vacation, the summer trip. So all of us are honest with ourselves. Our expectations are always greater than the reality. Because that's the nature of human beings. The vacation I'm going to have, oh boy, but the one that I had is okay, good, fine. So uh, they had their meat, but they were disappointed in it. They were not grateful for it, and therefore it destroyed them, it brought a plague upon them. So there are deep, deep psychological lessons here that the Torah is teaching us. Let's say uh, the Post said, Safer told us of them. This is the book about people. The book is not about God, and it's not about religion, it's about people. And if you see how people react from the beginning of time, from Autumn through sober, rational, normal way. So they wanted to give us the, I'll give you the, you'll see, but you're not going to, it's not going to do it for you. Still will be happy. I would say uh, regarding Eretz Yisrael, my, uh, Zayda would have walked across Europe in the snow barefoot to witness any Jewish state in the land of Israel. But when it happens, and simply because it does not fit the fantasy, so at best we take it for granted and at worst, uh, we 
And that is what they said. Oh, just give me meat to eat. Here, I'll give you meat to eat. It'll come out of your Ah, it's no good. That's not what I meant. It's not what I wanted. So in such a state of mind, uh, we can easily understand uh, what's going to happen in the next parashas of the Torah. Why the Mariah Korach will work? Why even Moshe Rabbeinu is going to succumb to it? Because it's so overwhelming. The mindset is so pervasive. We're so affected by society that even the greatest amongst us uh, cannot escape it completely. So the Mephorshim dwelt on all of this. They felt that it was a uh, Muslim lesson, so to speak. A lesson in humanity. So it starts small, right? One man says, oh, he's not going. And he has all of his reasons. But then it develops into a movement because everyone is dissatisfied. And then it will develop into an even greater disaster. And then it will divide the Jewish people. What a machlokas that remains uh, until today. Raja used to say, Raja Yosef used to say very cleverly, you know, Korach died, he said, but they die, right? They're still here. So we have to understand all of this and try to conform our thoughts and our lives uh, to being able to deal with it. And if we are able to do, deal with it, then we have a much happier life. You know, we have a life that has less frustration in it because our expectations were different and our realities were different. You know, we're only frustrated because of our fantasies. And uh, therefore, this Parsha teaches us many great lessons. The first lesson with which I'm going to conclude this, it says, You have to uplift the candles. You have to uplift the, the, the positive spirit. The flame will then catch by itself. But you have to light it. You have to start it. You have to uplift it. Now, uh, in a world of miracles, was the world of the desert. So, uh, you know, the Shalom and Kaviyahol could have lit the menorah. Why do you need, uh, why does our own have to come? Baboker, Baboker, every morning he's got to get up early and come and light the candles. Uh, and why him? 
the answer is that that's it. That's our task. We have to light the candles. We have to do it. We have to raise it. That's the purpose of uh, studying Torah. It's the purpose of praying, of a synagogue, is to uplift ourselves. And when the Torah is read, and as we'll all see it soon, the Mirat Hashem in our shul. So at the conclusion of the reading by the uh, at the beginning of the reading, they raise the Torah, Hagba. What is that? Which the Torah is supposed to give us. We're not to raise the Torah because it raises us. What we're going to hear read allows the can within us to be part of us. And uh, that really is uh, the goal. That's really what we should try and have in our lives. So again, I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, I hope God willing it will work out that I'll be able to get back. And uh, we'll try and do this personally. And uh, everyone should stay well and be well. And we'll hear Surah Stovos, Yeshua's Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rabbi, so much. Always a pleasure. And should be a, a good Shabbos. And uh, we should have the Surah Stovos. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, we've unmuted everybody. Oh.